0: What's more refreshing than the glass of Riesling Andrew Moore is about to pour himself at the end of this long day? His schedule.
1: I enjoy being home in the evenings. I enjoy being off on the weekends to have holidays off. Um, I mean, Thanksgiving weekend coming up. I'm off Wednesday through Sunday. That's, that would be unheard of in a restaurant.
0: That he knows from experience. He spent more than a decade working in the industry, most recently as the manager of an upscale, casual, locally owned spot in Clayton. But in the last year, he's experienced something else, normalcy.
1: People that have careers and families and lives uh, get, are afforded perks at regular jobs that they don't get in restaurants.
0: He now works for a company that handles, manages stores and moves wine, mostly private collections. Sounds pretty cool, right? But he might never have left the industry if he wasn't tossed out of it. Getting laid off last spring when the owners of his restaurant had to make some tough cuts. Was
1: unemployed for about three months, and then I knew that at some point I I knew the uh, benefits were going to stop, so I I knew I needed, and plus I was getting bored. (laughs) <laughs> so I needed to, to get an, a new job and so it was either go back into restaurants or try to find something new.
0: Like millions of other Americans, he decided to try something new. So what's the restaurant world to do about it? Today on Abby Eat St. Louis, we're checking in on those workers restaurant reservations.
2: We do see that a lot of our amazing talent. Chose another direction out of necessity. And once they realize that the wage is maybe even a little higher and the quality of life may be a little higher, they, those are the folks who are not returning.
0: How one culinary educator says he's preparing the next generation of hospitality workers for whatever's coming next. And how some restaurants are adjusting to a world with fewer employees.
3: If you have staff shortest, you either find way to hire more staff Or you find a way to not using staff. (laughs) So I choose not to use them.
0: Plus, food news and your weekend planner. When COVID-19 flipped the world upside down, many restaurant jobs were tabled. The year, 2020, was actually poised to be a really good one for restaurants, with projected growth over 2019 when it comes to jobs. But then dining rooms closed. Restaurants had to come up with takeout programs, other options to try to stay cooking. You remember how it all went down. A lot of this meant working with a smaller staff, so 2.5 million positions were cut by the end of 2020 nationally. Now, with places opening up again, people are hungry to get out, to spend their money, to see their friends, to go out to eat. The problem is these restaurants have had to pivot so much it's dizzying, and they weren't quite ready. It's a struggle to hire and keep workers. The summer ended with 1.5 million unfilled hospitality jobs. That's the most vacancies of any workforce sector, according to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. Long, physically exhausting hours, taxing schedules, and difficult customers, or even management, for relatively low pay. Those are just some of the reasons workers say they are done. So how do we move forward from here? I went to talk to Casey Schiller, Cupcake Wars champion, industry expert, instructor at St. Louis Community College, and overall optimist.
2: What we're going to see is smaller dining room capacities in favor of these third-party phone app delivery services. And in fact, I can predict that we are going to see more ghost kitchens emerge. Ghost kitchens don't have a dining room. They are set up specifically for these third-party delivery food apps. So therefore, the capital that's needed to start one of these industries in one of these restaurants is minuscule compared to finding real estate, getting everything that's needed up and running, buying tables, finding staff both front and back of house. Now you can do a really killer menu that no one would see your kitchen. You can do it with a smaller footprint, a smaller staff, and virtually no front of house. Um, interaction with the guest. So you are still seeing those romantic restaurants that are perfectly poised for you to get in and dine. They're still doing a high level of food. Their servers have been with them for a long period of time and know that service excellence that the customers are wanting. I think where we're seeing the fast casuals will always be there, mainly the chains. The chains are not going to uh, go away. I think we see in the fast food brackets many of the dining rooms will not reopen. They are in favor of that drive through mentality because it's efficient and they don't need additional staff to clean up after the guests themselves.
0: Some of the best people I know work in the hospitality industry. They're warm, they're welcoming, they're ready to have people back. In our months of isolation though, I think some people might have forgotten how to interact with other human beings and people can are coming back with higher demands in some cases high demands to a workforce that's been really just through the ringer and you know the tipping not as great we're hearing reports of or people just calling with these great crazy demands or not understanding what it means to have shortages and blaming the restaurants
2: listen our industry has always been tough on the, its employees we are always the ones who are working when everyone else is trying to dine so the the industry was always rampant with long tenuous hours and huge work weeks but it was something that we took as a point of pride in this industry now we're seeing that the guests expectation is having to change and i think that that's one of the most critical pieces is that if you are the one going into a restaurant It is not the same restaurant that you dined in two years ago. So your level of expectation needs to be slightly modified. You should still expect extraordinary service by the folks who showed up to work. Unfortunately, it's just not that many any longer. And the restaurateurs, the owners are having to make do with far less huge increases in the food pricing, huge increases in our labor costing, because we do need to afford a, a livable wage. But again, it's not the server's issue that the amount of reservations that were taken or are not able to be taken. It's not anything that's the diner's fault. But we need to have a level of respect and a level of understanding. And I think that for everyone who tried baking at home, you realize that it is a profession and it is something that takes a little more training. So therefore, when you dine out, be polite, be nice, enjoy the experience. Because unfortunately, that experience is getting to be you know, um, reserved for less and less folks each night in a face to face environment.
0: It's we want to have bad guys in our narratives. We want to have the good guys and the bad guys. And so for the longest time during the pandemic, our good guys were our restaurant owners and we're going out. And yes, these are the places I support. And this is what I want to see happen. This is all great. Now there's a lot of the conversation of, well, this is what a restaurant owners expect. You're working on a model where you're paying people maybe minimum wage in some cases because of the tip-based models and all of the other craziness that goes along with it. And what we were talking about before we started recording here is that we all experienced a little bit different lifestyle in the last year and a half, almost two years now. And for some people, working on their feet, dealing with customers, carrying heavy trays of food or preparing things just isn't on their radar anymore. So who is it going to be then that the restaurant owners can call upon and or what are the restaurant owners going to have to do? Is this this great restaurant worker strike of 2021 that we're just witnessing right now? So well, I have needed to tell change.
2: you that our job board here at St. Louis Community College is chock full. We are generally the first line for folks advertising um, job opportunities for our recent graduates in that um, line cook to ready to be the sous chef mentality. What we're seeing as well is the need for quick, expedited learning for those prep-based jobs, for the fundamental-based jobs. Again, this industry, you can have a myriad of past experience and meld into the hospitality world with, with ease and then the success trajectory is, is yours. Where we also saw is people enjoy being with their family and not being away from the dinner table. Um, Instead of serving, they became the ones who were servicing their family. And it really, um, we do see that a lot of our amazing talent chose another direction out of necessity. And once they realize that the wage is maybe even a little higher, and the quality of life may be a little higher. They, those are the folks who are not returning. But at the end of the day, the hospitality mindset is one that's deep rooted inside and it's that, that wanting to give back and we're seeing our numbers in our enrollment of students wanting to learn, and we're getting a lot of career changers. Because once again, in the pastry world, in the hospitality management world, in the culinary arts world, the passion that you have for cooking, or the passion that you have for excelling on an experiential dining perspective, that's what will bring you joy. And there really is still no better joy than seeing a plate that comes back to the kitchen completely licked clean. You know you did your job well and this hospitality industry gives you that instant gratification.
0: You know you've been eating at home for too long if you lick your plate clean <laughs> at a restaurant, maybe, but I've been tempted. <laughs> so all of this being said, like, you're 100% right because I work at a job that, frankly, journalism is another one of these industries, right, where I'm a one-woman camera crew. A couple years ago, I would have had all sorts of people here working with me, but you're, we're doing more, but there is a passion but there is also the reality of things, and so when it comes to do I love my job? Yes, but when I would were to, if I were to entertaining opportunity from somebody else, I'd say, okay, well, what are my benefits? What am I getting paid? How are you going to make my life better? So, what are some of the things maybe you're hearing from your students, either recent, current, or any other connections that you have out here in this industry? That how are they talking about wanting to make the most of this opportunity for themselves to be able to be both following their passions and also putting food on the table. If you will,
2: absolutely. We see that the restaurant mindset has changed and those employers who unfortunately are using an outdated model of not providing a livable wage. We're seeing those restaurateurs impacted the most and unfortunately It's the restaurants who are realizing that this and your people are your most important asset. When you invest in that, your diners will receive better service because the folks providing it are happy. And yes, it becomes, again, a diner's expectation change because with paying higher wages, the check average and the price of your entree are going to rise. But throughout the past 5 years, food prices have increased probably upwards of between 40% and even 120% especially on certain ingredients. And yet the the check the I'm sorry, the menu price Remain the same for many of your favorite dining establishments and you didn't realize that they were taking losses by providing something that is their, their everyday best seller. But now we're going to start to see pricing increases and that is just bettering the lives of those folks who are serving. And that's the best part is when you can impact that person because by you dining, you are now making their career path viable. And I think that we're seeing that mentality is changing. And we see from the mass, you know, huge coffee houses that are everywhere, now providing $23 an hour, we are seeing a huge shift in the way it used to be and frankly the way that all of us in the industry were brought up. It is such a different mindset.
0: Change like fewer people actually handling change or money at all. While skilled jobs like management and in the kitchen will be hard to automate, Schiller expects more and more screen time when we leave the house even after this pandemic. Think about self checkouts at stores. At first they were super weird and now they're kind of the new normal. Well, those screens, those computers, that automation is coming to the food world, too. QR codes are kind of like the new waitstaff. You might find restaurants with them on the table leading you to an online ordering system, only talking to servers once your food is being delivered, perhaps to refill your drinks. Fast casual places are particularly well-primed for this, and not just the chain places anymore. At Zenwich in the Central West End, most customers order online ahead of time from home or for delivery. They're a big lunch spot, but even if you walk in because you just decided to stop by and didn't order from home, you'll walk up to a computer. The nimble staff of two to four people at a time instead is really focused on getting the food made and the order out.
3: If you have staff shortest, you either find a way to hire more staff or you you find way to not using staff. <laughs> so and I choose not to use them.
0: I zoom chatted with owner Chai Pluntham the same day he opened an additional Zenwich location in the Chicago area with the same point of sale program. He's also owned Blue Ocean sushi on the Del Mar Loop for about thirteen years, where the dining room is still closed. He says his system at Zenwich means better, more equal pay for his staff and better service to his diners who can place their order directly with the kitchen.
3: I like the, the environment that everybody helps each other that get the job done and not like, this is my job, that's your job. I, I, I don't like I like people who like, we are a team. We need to get today done. We need to make today better and we share whatever we 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 earn. I think that, that better environment for me. But with traditional uh restaurant, they like on the host, on the server, on the chef, on the sushi chef, um the busser. So they they that task totally separate. They focus on whatever they they have. Some people have a lot of responsibility, like chef, of course. Ordering, prep, this and that. But server, don't have a lot of responsibility. Just make sure the table clean and try to sell stuff. And so make a lot more money than chef. I mean, I'm not saying anything wrong. I'm saying this is what traditional restaurant, because that's how I grew up too. I used to be served for many years. Until I get to this point, and I totally understand the DNA, the, the industry. That's how it is. But what I'm trying to do right now after COVID is put equality in into every position. Everybody helping each other. Done.
0: My last question for you is just the word hospitality. People say that hospitality is about people and interacting with people and in this effort to you know cut costs and make the restaurant a little more streamlined as a business you've gotten rid of some of the people aspects of it so do you believe hospitality is really about people
3: it's still about people we put care into the order where we make food where we make drink we put care into it
0: Back in his Benton Park home, Andrew Moore sips on a full glass of Riesling and comes up empty when I ask, has there ever been a time when he regrets leaving the industry? Thinking about its future though, Moore hopes for more humanity and hospitality, even if it means fewer humans.
1: Maybe instead of trying to find the staff that suits what you want to do, maybe do what suits the staff.
0: And he reiterates that while times may be demanding, he says customers. We don't have to be.
1: Just treat people like you'd want to be treated.
0: I'm in the podcast booth now with Dory almost. Hello. Producer extraordinaire. Dory, what do you think about that whole future with fewer staffers at a restaurant? You know, like, what do you think about the going up to the counter and ordering from a computer or ordering from your phone when you're sitting at the
4: table even? You know, in some cases, I'm okay with that. And especially if it helps the restaurant just keep going and staying open, that's fine. I think in fancier situations, I would appreciate having a, a staff member, a, you know, a waiter come to the table. So yeah. I could give or take. Yeah. You know, I, I don't mind. It, it's nice having that person check in on you every once in a while.
0: And I think that it kind of, to your point, I think it kind of depends on the type of restaurant. Yeah. And in some ways, I think it's like that can be part of the the vibe of the restaurant. It could be the type of place where you're not bothered. Because sometimes sometimes I'm like, no, I'm good. I'll let you know when I need something. And right. maybe that's kind of one of those things. But then I'm also thinking about it. Little Fox the other night, you know, how the server, it was my first time there. So I didn't, I wouldn't have known either way. And the food was fantastic on its own. But the server was a great person to do recommendations. That's my biggest thing. If I'm at a mm-hmm. new place, I love talking to the people about what they like and yes. what they recommend and pairings and things like that. That's a good point. So that's the one thing that I would be missing most, I think.
4: Yeah. There was one restaurant, I can't remember who it was, during the pandemic when people were starting to go back into restaurants where they had a system where you would put something at the end of your table to indicate you wanted the server to come over. I like so maybe that. like kind of a mix Um, approach to weight staff. I'm not sure. Maybe that would work.
0: Yeah. And I think to, you know, to Casey's point about the whole thing, just manage your expectation. Don't walk in and Mm -hmm. expect everything to be, you know, like go, go with, go with the flow. Yes. Wherever you wind up going. So flow is not how you would describe this dump of news. It's been like raining food news on you the past like 24 hours, yes. especially. And so you put together quite a list of things you want to let people know about here, Dory,
4: um, in our news rundown here. Yeah. Starting off with your Thanksgiving grocery shopping. If you're hosting a meal, buy local and shop soon. Suppliers are saying <laughs> that now is the time to start shopping for your feast And you should expect to pay more this year. Almost every item for a traditional Thanksgiving meal is seeing a price bump. Overall, about a 4% increase over last year, which usually averages 2%. Oh, wow. So it is definitely more. And this all comes down to those supply chain issues, shortages, and disruptions. Wow. That's, oh, 4%.
0: And like you think, oh, 4%, that's just year to year. But that's a good number. I'm glad you mentioned that, that Mm -hmm. it's typically, you know, a 2% type of thing. So, How about restaurants though? Like, I mean, that, that, I know last year that was a big thing that a lot of them leaned on to try to to get
4: some, yeah, to try to get some business. Business and helping people who maybe don't necessarily want to go out to the grocery store or or travel to see family and things like that. Yeah. Just doing something at home. Well, we do have a whole lot of restaurants that are bringing that back this year. So if you don't want to cook, but you still want to support local, we've got caterers, businesses, restaurants, all kinds of them doing these to go meals. They've got everything from just ordering a pie or a side to an entire buffet-style feast. So we've compiled all of these on our website, kstk.com, and we will put the link in our episode notes for all of these. But for some of them, you need to have your pre-order in by next week, and that's why I'm mentioning this I'm now. getting so anxious right now, Doris. I know, me too.
0: This is supposed to be my first uh, co-hosting of a Thanksgiving <gasps> with the fiance's family, and I am stressed
4: No pressure. No pressure. Just a lot of wine. (laughs) Here's the thing, too, with doing a food podcast, people expect a lot more. They
0: do. And I (laughs) say here all the time, I'm like, look, I'm not a cook. Like, that's why I Uh like going out to eat so much is because I don't love cooking. Exactly. So... I don't know. Maybe they'll be surprised by this fantastic feast I prepare, quote unquote, prepare. If you need a little help. If um, I need a I little, little help, help. I will tell on you. <laughs> I love that. Well, help is something that is on the way for so many people who are just like, you know, it's a tough time of year and mm-hmm. the Boy Scouts always do this fantastic effort. I heard that this is the biggest food drive ever or like in the country yes. every year.
4: So the Scouting for Food drive put on by the Boy Scouts started here in st louis in 1985 or 86 and it's has since grown across the country Mm -hmm. so yay st louis another great thing that we're known for here but yeah this is the biggest one in america every year and it's coming back to the st louis area again this year so last year they had to put it on hold because yeah. of the pandemic but you can expect to see those famous blue bags on your doorstep and front door again this weekend they'll be going out there to distribute those bags so then after this weekend you have a week to collect your donations put them in those blue bags and place them out on your for your front porch i think it's november 20th the following saturday they'll come back to collect all of those cool. Um. yeah, and, and all of those canned foods and non-perishable items that you give benefit local food banks throughout the St. Louis area.
0: And it's not the only way you can give, of course. This one uh, gives back, too.
4: Yeah, this one um, is a big popular one. Yeah. Schlafly bringing back its canned food drive. So from now through the end of November, donate canned foods at all Schlafly locations, two cans of food. Equals one can of beer. You can donate up to twelve canned food items for a six pack.
0: Heck yeah! Um, switching gears now to talk about one of our restaurant tour friends who we featured on the podcast last year, beginning of twenty twenty, when we were on very different a very <laughs> different course. Turns out uh, Zoe Robinson has changed courses as well.
4: Yes, so she just announced this morning, we're recording on Wednesday, that she has sold her three Clayton restaurants. Bar LaFrère, E. Fratellini, and Billie Jean. She sold them to a friend and art leader, Susan Barrett. Um, she said that Susan plans to incorporate her design aesthetics while continuing Zoe's legacy. Zoe these days is spending most of her time in Aspen. So right, she's good for her. yeah, not really spending a whole lot of time here. She wrote in a news release that. Like most people, especially those in the restaurant industry, she took time to reflect during the pandemic and evaluate her own happiness and growth. Um, But she is very confident that she has found the right person to continue what she started in Clayton. Um, Susan said she wants to keep what makes those restaurants special, but then add in some of her own touches. She equated it to, we're just putting on a different lipstick. (laughs) At least that's the case at a couple of the restaurants. Billie Jean will change concepts and all of those restaurants are going to start reopening next year.
0: And Billie Jean, if I remember correctly, it was kind of an homage to her parents with the name. And so um, it makes sense for it to change concept. And it is kind of a small space right there that is a fun space mm-hmm. to be able to, for Susan now, to be able to put her own.
4: Her own touch. Yeah, in. yeah.
0: absolutely. So it's good to see that they are reopening because that is such an, a nice, on that street right there in Clayton on Wydown that is so like, perfect mm-hmm. and part of that is because of everything's always built so i hope she enjoys her time in aspen yeah. now good for her i'm gonna twenty. i want to read you how i because i forgot that it's good news i want to redo my transition, transition because i said bad so i don't think it's i don't think it's fair to Susan to say it's bad so all right we also have some new details about a very fun win to talk about we love a st louis win we mm-hmm. love
4: it and I'm here with it. Serving up not one, but two. How about two. that? Two wins. Yes. We have two St. Louis winners in the World Food Championships. What? Yeah. So High Point Drive-In was crowned Best Burger. And Old Hickory Golf Club's chef Jack McMurray won World Bacon Champion. Burgers, bacon. I'm literally oh getting so hungry right yes. now. These two need to do a collaboration. <gasps> Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. You heard it here first. Yeah. (laughs) So they had to go through a couple different rounds to make it to the finals. McMurray's winning dish was, okay, this is a mouthful here, a bacon wrapped in chocolate lined pork belly over a bacon chocolate chip pancake. How good does that sound? Sweet, savory, breakfast, lunch, dinner? I think it sounds like so much. I want to know how big the portion is. Because that sounds like know. something I
0: could take, like, four bites of and then just, like, keel over and just, like, a <laughs> food coma. Yes. Like, I'd just be like, wah! But, no, the tr- and I love pork belly and chocolate, mm-hmm. with that sounds really good, actually. Sounds very
4: interesting, right?
0: Mm. Okay, mm. how about High
4: Point? So, High Point, they used a riff on their cowboy burger. Okay. So, there were a couple stipulations with theirs. They had to use impossible meat, so the kind of uh, vegan, vegetarian yeah. meat. And they also had to incorporate boulevard beer. So they took the Boulevard beer, the Saison, I think, mm-hmm. um, and they worked it into a cheese sauce. Ooh. So basically it's their cowboy burger, but a vegetarian option of it. But it looked huge. And of course they did it up big. It had like oh, onion yeah. rings and all kinds of things stacked on it. Ooh. And that one best burger. Oh my God, that sounds so good. Yeah. I, we had, what did you have, a Kit-Kat bar and a
0: bag of popcorn, <laughs> Smart Pop, before starting this episode? We really owe ourselves some bacon-wrapped pork belly chocolate chip pancake burger onion beer. Oh my beer. gosh, let's go right now. Right now. All right, we're going.
4: <laughs> Pause. I'm just kidding. No. Okay, <laughs> Dory, hey, what's the best thing you had to eat this week? Uh, mine's a St. Louis classic. Um, Jason has some family in town this weekend, and whenever this particular family member comes in town... We go to Ted Drew's. Yeah. The last couple of times we haven't been able to make it for other like planning purposes, but this time we made it and I got my go-to with a twist. So I always get Oreo. Oreo concrete is my go-to. But my sister-in-law was there and she's like, you need to get it with chocolate. And my mind was freaking blown. You were like,
0: what? (laughs) (laughs) I've been St. wrong this whole
4: time. How have I not done this before? So I got a chocolate Oreo concrete, and it was delicious. Oh, that sounds really good, too. And the weather was
0: perfect to have family in St. Louis. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. I'm, like, this is a fall that I'm here for. Mm -hmm. Like, this is, oh, I love this weather lately. That's awesome. Um, Mine was not St. Louis, but it was New York. It was,
4: have you ever had a New York sour? I don't think so.
0: So, it is a cocktail that um, I tried to make during the pandemic, like, or, you know, during the shutdown. So, it's um, rye whiskey, lemon juice. um, And I kind of want to show you a picture of it here. It's kind of like a whiskey sour because I was getting kind of tired of the regular whiskey sours there. But it has rye, it has lemon juice, simple syrup. And you actually pour a little bit of red wine on the top. Oh, interesting. And the way you do it, I'll show you the picture of the one I had. Because I made them during the pandemic. And I was like, ooh, this is really good. Like, I really liked that. Um, Tried it at Brennan's. That's, like, with lighting effects added. That's very pretty. Yeah, see how there's, like, a little red wine, like, floater Mm -hmm. at the top? So you pour it into a spoon over, like, you pour it over a spoon, To make it so that it kind of drizzles over the top. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just kind of nice because it's not terribly sweet, but it's also not like super intense. Like it's still nice and sippable. Um, But my favorite thing about it was ordering it at a restaurant or at a bar, in this case Brennan's, and being like, hey, I did an okay job with this cocktail I'd never tried before making it at home. Now having it at a cocktail bar. I can do okay. Yeah, you can do all right. It's a very pretty cocktail, though. It is. the very least, if you want something for Instagram, that's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) So this weekend, we are, as we mentioned, very much into the fall here in St. Louis. So we're talking about the weekend of
4: September. um, November. November.
0: I'm going back way too far. November 12th through 14th. And we've got a lot of fun things happening for you this weekend there on St. Louis. Yeah, we've
4: got a jam-packed Saturday. All of these events are on Saturday. So first up, Four Hands and Tower Grove Farmer's Market. Remember last week I said the Farmer's Market was it was their last regular season mm-hmm. one, but they have some other ones up their sleeve. So this is one of those. They're going to be at Four Hands this weekend for the end-of-season market. It's going to be happening at the brewery from 8 to noon in the parking lot they're planning on having about 60 vendors there on site and in the parking an, lot. that's
3: an
0: early morning thing. Mm-hmm. Like, there you go. Cool. Yeah. Wow. what? I, I might need to set my alarm on Saturday morning. <laughs> um, again, as you mentioned, it's a jam-packed Saturday, and it is going to be a jam-packed Cedar Lake Cellars in Wright City with the world's largest food truck rally. So the organizers behind a Guinness World Record food truck parade, they're bringing this event to the mm-hmm. St. Louis area. Again, happening at Cedar Lake Cellars in Wright City, they say more than 30 food trucks from across the country even, uh, local and across the country, and a couple dozen non-food vendors. It's free and open to the public. You can RSVP for a free ticket online, so you don't have to buy a ticket ahead of time, but they would like to kind of get a head count, and you can try all sorts of different Food truck samplings.
4: Yes, and I love this next event happening Saturday, the K-pop Festival and Taste of Korea. It is the biggest K-pop festival in the greater St. Louis area. It's hosted by the Korean American Association of St. Louis. This year, it's taking place at Clayton High School. The show starts at 3, with dance crews from all over the Midwest coming out to perform and compete. After the competition is the Taste of Korea, starting at 6. Tickets for the whole event range from $10 to $25, and you can reserve online ahead of time Or get them at the door, but I believe it's cash only at the door. And taste of Korean food.
0: Oh, man, that Mm -hmm. sounds so good. Mm -hmm. And then just as we think we're really in the fall and getting cozy here, we're looking at the winter. But that's Mm -hmm. okay. This is one of my favorite events every winter around the St. Louis area. The Garden Glow at Missouri Botanical Garden. It's kicking off for the public on Saturday. Continues nightly through January 8th. More than a million lights all around so the Botanical pretty. Garden. Uh, fun new experiences, they say, and traditional favorites, including the s'mores, festive drinks, the photo ops. Tickets are required, and it's highly recommended you buy online reserve ahead of time. And I also highly recommend stopping by the drink stand. Yes. Their boozy hot chocolates and things like that are, mm-hmm. like, my favorite things ever. Yes. I need to calm down about it, but I'm excited. I'm going <laughs> Sunday, Dory. You are? Already planning on oh, it. Oh, I'm jealous. So if you see the jolliest of elves bopping around on <laughs> Sunday night, it's me. <laughs> Ooh,
1: la la. Ooh, Ooh la la! Ooh la la! Ooh la, la la!
0: Abby St. Louis is a Five on Your Side production. I'm Abby Larico. And I'm Dory Olmos. Please make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. We have a special one coming for you next week ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday. And listen to us while you're driving around town, uh, going and picking up all your Thanksgiving things. Because as Dory mentioned, it's time to be shopping, people. Leave us a rating and review. Let us know where you're listening to us. Tag us in your pics. We're at Abby Eat Louis on Instagram. Have a fun weekend. Pace yourself this Saturday, St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> and seize the plate.